Welcome to the preaching podcast of Life Point Church. We're so glad you've joined us here. If you're ever in the Baton Rouge area, please stop by. We'd love to meet you. For more information on our church or Pastor Donovan, please visit our website at golifepoint.com. And I'm going to be uh, preaching on miracles. And those of you that have been able to attend the services recently have enjoyed the first two weeks uh, of Pastor's four-week series on miracles. And Pastor has challenged us to pursue miracles in our lives right here, right now. And most of us believe that the miraculous events that are detailed in the Bible, we, we really do think they actually occur just as they are reported. And we also have no doubt that God still has power. And he's going to do other amazing miracles in our lifetime. But few of us believe that God will work a miracle in our personal lives this week. Those of you that were here for the past two weeks uh, on Sunday, two weeks ago, you, you heard uh, Pastor's powerful sermon on the topic, When All You Have Is a Maybe. Actually, I was out for that service, but uh, I, I listened to it on the podcast, and wow, what a powerful sermon. When All You Have Is a Maybe. And you recall that pastor preached about Jonathan and his armor bearer. That was in 1 Samuel 14 and 6. Um, and Jonathan and his armor bearer, just to recap for those of you that, that didn't hear that or that might have forgotten that, uh, I want to I move from that topic tonight. So Jonathan and his armor bearer were basically paralyzed with fear due to the Philistine army that was out in front of them. But Jonathan spoke to his armor bearer, and he said, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us. And then when Jonathan and his armor bearer approached the Philistines, they killed 20 of them right away in the first skirmish. Uh, and then there was a trembling in heaven that caused the Philistine garrison and the raiders to tremble. And the Bible says the earth quaked so that it was a very great trembling and Jonathan prevailed that day all because he marched forth on a maybe. There was no prophet. There was no prophecy. There was no word. He just said, I believe if we go forward, maybe God will go with us. Just a maybe. He marched forth, and he was right. God did go with them. But tonight, I want to somehow convince you before you leave this building to believe that God can move and that God will move for you personally this week. I realize that this is a very big challenge, but that's what God sent me to do tonight. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your attention and you joining with me. I see you're, you're focused tonight and you're nodding your heads. Thank you so much. When you leave this building tonight, your focus must be making the most of your maybe. I turn your attention uh, to 2 Kings chapter 7. We'll read just a few verses of a pretty long story here, but just a, a few verses. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. 
Now therefore, come, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall only die. And they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, and their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the outskirts of the tents, they went into one and ate and drank and carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came back and entered in another tent and carried some from there also and went and hid it. So these events that we read about occurred just outside the gates of Samaria. And as you know, lepers were not allowed in the city uh, due to their disease. At this time, Samaria was under siege by the Syrian army, and at times things were very difficult in the city of Samaria. Now, the Syrian army was camped not far outside the city of Samaria, and they basically had the city of Samaria boxed in, and they were keeping them there and starving them out. So the lepers were at the, the point of death and were considering their options. They said, if we go into the city of Samaria, there's famine there. They don't have any food. We're going to die. If we sit here, we don't have any food either. We're going to die. Yet, if we go to the camp of the Syrians, we go to the enemy's camp. If we go to the camp of the Syrians, there are two things that can happen. They can kill us. If they do, we'll only die. This is kind of like Pastor was saying. This doesn't sound like a really deep philosophy they had, but it's pretty fundamental. You don't have a lot of options. So they said, if we go over there to the enemy's camp, the Syrians, if they kill us, we'll die. But if they keep us alive, maybe if they keep us alive, we shall live. So even though this doesn't sound like a really deep strategy that these guys had, I just wonder if there might be someone here tonight who feels like you have not many options either. Or maybe you have just a very few options, and maybe they seem just about as... Uh, they're not exciting at all. They sound just about as uh, boring and, and harmful as these options that they had. But the lepers wisely decided, if we go to the camp of the Syrians, the enemy over here, maybe we have a chance to live. There's a possibility that they, they will not kill us. And if so, they have food and we will eat and maybe we will live. So we see in Second Kings chapter 7, when they reached the outskirts of the enemy's camp, the Syrians were gone. The Lord had caused the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and a great army. So they fled their camp in haste and left all of their gear and their personal belongings in the camp. So when the lepers arrived, they were stunned. So much food and gear and treasures. So verse 8 says, they entered one camp. And remember, these guys were almost to die. They were, they were perished. They said, if we sit here, we're going to die. They were almost to die. So they entered one camp and ate and drank. I suppose they probably kept going with that for quite a while. And they carried from it silver and gold and clothing and went and hid them. Then they came to another tent. 
and they didn't eat again at the second tent. They were, they were so full, they didn't need to eat again. But they carried some of the stuff from there and went and hid it also. And they realized that the Syrians had completely left everything behind and fled. And then they went back and told the king of Samaria, y'all are all worried about this? There's nobody over there in the Syrian camp. Now, this is another powerful account of God working a miracle. God caused the Syrian army who was guarding Samaria and had them totally paralyzed with fear and boxed in. He caused the Syrian army to hear the sound of horses and chariots and a great army that wasn't even there. And it's interesting that at the same time, the Syrian army was hearing all this stuff and, and they were totally paralyzed with fear at Samaria. Well, what was happening in Samaria? They were totally boxed in. They were seized. They were dying from starvation. And they, was, they were totally afraid of the Syrians. So I happen to think this is probably what's going on in our life. We've heard so much about the illness that we have. We believe we will never recover from it. We've heard that the job market is just flooded. In our field, it's just flooded with talented people. We'll never get a job. We'll never get a better job. We're kind of like the Samaritans and the, and the Syrians here. We, we just hear this stuff, and we're just paralyzed with fear. Now, people tell us every day that the addiction that you suffer with will just, it'll ruin your life. You will never get out of debt. Your family will never come back together. Your family is ruined forever. My response to that is very simple. Not so. Liar, liar. Not me. But if there's someone here tonight that hasn't found your maybe yet, I want to refer you to Jeremiah 29 and 11. That says in verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now that doesn't sound like the mentality that we get sometimes when people tell us we have this illness, it, can, it cannot be cured. We're not going to get any better. It's just going to go down from here. That doesn't sound like what this verse says. The thoughts God's going to give us thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And then in another version of that scripture, verse 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Does that give somebody a maybe that you want to reach out for? But I know that there are still those who really, you can't understand this in your mind, but you can't convince your heart. This applies to me. This applies to me in Prairieville, the last days of July 2019. That's what pastor's been talking to us about. It's easy to remember and understand the stuff from the past. It's easy to to believe that stuff for the future, but July 31st, 2019 is the most difficult part of this. So regretfully, I feel led to tell you about a few other things that I have witnessed that are just a little bit closer to home. I hate so bad to do this. I do not want to make this about me. Please take me out of this, anything I tell you tonight afterward, but God is big. God is great. God is powerful. I cannot see a miracle and not come here and tell you about it. In the late 1990s, 
we were living in Woodland Ridge subdivision in Baton Rouge. This house that's in the pic that we're placing on the screen, and thank you, media team, for all your help. We were living in this house, Woodland Ridge, and we wanted to move to the country. We found a place that needed some work. Uh, that's the kind we usually buy. So we made that purchase of the house out in the city, and we put our home in Woodland Ridge up for sale. Our plan was to make the improvements to the house in the country while we waited for this one to sell. So over the next few months, we worked on the place, got it ready to move in, but our house hadn't sold yet. Imagine that. Realtors on the front row here know about this stuff. And after another few weeks, we began to feel a little financial pressure from owning two houses. And also my sweet wife, being the realtor she is, she said, you can't move into the new place until you sell the old place. You can't take the furniture out. It's got to be furnished, and it's got to show well when you're trying to sell that. So we basically couldn't do anything. That wasn't a very fun time in, in many regards. So one day we were getting very focused on this situation, and believe it or not, my family won't be surprised, I called a family meeting. With our children present, we talked about all the details and how we really needed to sell this house. Recently, we had obtained an anointed prayer cloth from church, and I was carrying it around in my Bible. And, you know, the, the, the group has gone to a North American Youth Conference uh, this week. At that particular conference I was telling you about from 1997 in Nashville, Tennessee, Anthony Mangan preached about passing the mantle, Elisha passing the mantle. And his father, G.A. Mangan, who founded that church in, in Alexandria, had prayed over some prayer cloths. And he had, I guess, a few hundred of those at that youth conference, and I brought one of those home. I still have it with me. I just say, when, when pastors gets those prayer cloths out and he anoints that stuff, that's important. So I had this prayer cloth in my Bible, and I suggested while we were at our meeting, I suggested that we place the prayer cloth in this little box that my wife had out by the street with our flyers in there. And she was a little bit reluctant to that. She said if someone's looking at our house and they want to get a flyer and they accidentally see my prayer cloth in there, that might not be good because they're going to think we might be desperate. And she said, I told her, you're right, I'm desperate. <laughs> That's when we get our miracles answered most of the time, isn't it? When we get desperate. So we then had a come to Jesus meeting where we prayed and we thanked God for all that he was doing. And we zealously asked him to take over and to help us sell this house. We were in the dining room over on that right window over there at the table. I stand here tonight to tell you with Phyllis and Brennan as my witness, while we were at that table praying, the phone rang. Back in the day, I hate to tell you, this was a long time ago. It still had landlines. And it was sitting on the little desk right next to our table. And <coughs> back in the day, <coughs> when the phone rang, you answered it, the landline. So my wife picked up the phone, and it was a realtor that said she had a buyer that wanted to buy our house. And we sold that house shortly thereafter, and we were on our way to closing and moving to our new place. So I know this is exciting to me, but somebody might say, well, that was a coincidence. And it reminded me of a joke I heard just a couple of days ago where there's some really important speaker. He was on his way to speak, and he was running late, and he was going all over in the parking lot trying to find a parking place, and he was 
just afraid he was going to miss his meeting, and he was the main speaker. And so he prayed, and, and he made a deal with God, and he said, if you help me find a parking place, I'll do this, this, and this. And by that time, he ran past the parking place. So they wheeled in there and said, I take that back, God. I just found one right here. <laughs> Somebody might think that was a, a coincidence. By all means, feel free to believe that if you want to. But some of you probably remember that sermon that pastor preached a few weeks ago on prayer power in the church. Anybody remember that? Prayer power in the church. You'll recall he preached from the passage where the church prayed while Peter was in jail. Peter was chained, and he was in jail asleep between two guards. And as the church was praying across town, an angel came in and touched Peter asleep on the floor and woke him up. And when Peter woke up, the chains fell off of him. Pastor preached that this is the prayer power in the church. Well, I'm just telling you, there's some prayer power in that front dining room over there at the table as well. I think when you get zealous and you focus and you praise God and you ask him about something, I think that he might hear you and he might move. And we asked him. We were zealous. My wife said I was desperate. She was right. And God moved. He moved immediately. But this past week, <coughs> pastor preached on miracles of healing. He moved on from the maybe, and we focused on healing. I want to talk a little bit about that as well. But in this very powerful sermon this past week, he preached on the other side of the stretch. And he, he read from the passage in Mark 3 where Jesus was in the synagogue. He called out the man with a withered hand. He asked the man to stretch out his hand. And as soon as the man stretched out his hand, just by that act of obedience, that stretch, and by that show of faith, his hand was healed. Pastor challenged us to stretch our faith and to show us that our miracles are on the other side of the stretch. So there's a fundamental scripture that's so easy very accessible, it's so easy to understand. That is the foundation of this miracle of healing. I just we're, we're slowing down a little bit tonight. I'm sorry, I'm not quite as exciting as pastor. Are you with me? Okay, well, thank you. Isaiah 53 and 5 gives us all we need to know about the miracles of healing. And I don't want to, you know, it sounds like I'm just trying to act like this is too simple. It really is. Isaiah 53, 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. That's really clear. There's no, you don't have to be a theologian to interpret that scripture. By the stripes that Jesus took, <coughs> we are healed. Excuse me, for those of you on the podcast, I had to get a drink of water. <coughs> Around 1994, I'd been out of law school for only three years, and Phyllis and I had recently started a law firm. I then began experiencing some very weird symptoms. Occasionally, without any notice at all, my thinking would become foggy, and I would be able, unable to to recall the names of people around me. I, I told you, I'm sorry to talk about myself. I, I've seen God move, and I just can't resist telling you about it. And the other thing that bothers me 
when you preach and speak, you're not supposed to get emotional like this. I'm sorry, I hadn't quite reached that yet. I get emotional about this. But I would become foggy, and I would be unable to remember the names of people around me. I would not be able to recall personal details, such as my telephone number and other things like that. And looking back, we had two children, a lot of debt, and a new business. And looking back, we were really on a shoestring at that time, even more so than we realized at that time. And <coughs> my sweet wife had worked very hard to put me through school, and we incurred a lot of debt. Our financial situation was not good at all. It was quite a scary time for us. And as I continued to experience these symptoms, um, they would come on at one time. I might have another one in another week or two. I might have another one in a month or two, but it was very clear. And my wife and I started referring to these things as me having a spell. And initially, we tried to think I was just getting too hot. Maybe I was a little too tired. Maybe I was dehydrated. We're trying to figure out where I was when I would have these, what I was doing. But my condition continued to get worse. One day while I was at the office working, I began experiencing these symptoms. At first, I noticed that I couldn't concentrate very well on the case that I was working on. And then I had a weird sensation in my head. And finally, I realized I was having a spell. And as of that time, my assistant that was working in the immediate office with me, she did not know about my condition. And I suddenly realized that I was going to have to have some help. So I pulled out the three-inch thick metro phone book that we had back in the day. They had a section for Baton Rouge. They had one for Denham Springs and West Baton Rouge and Prairieville. So I pulled out that phone book out of my desk. <coughs> I found the Baton Rouge section. Then I found the butlers. And then I went down until I found Anthony Butler. And I wrote my phone number down out of the telephone book. I called my wife to ask her to come pick me up. So to make a long story very short, I went for medical help. Eventually, I made my way to see the well-known Baton Rouge neurologist, Dr. Stephen Zuckerman. I just brought a picture of him here. Quite an interesting guy. Neurologists are pretty interesting people. <coughs> Dr. Zuckerman did a full workup, and he basically told Phyllis and I, I was having seizures. He advised me that my condition was very serious. And he said he had a legal obligation to stop me from driving if he determined that I could be a danger to the public. He said there's no surgery that can be performed. There's no certain treatment for my condition. All we could do was try various medications that would help me deal with the symptoms. This was quite devastating to Phyllis and I. So shortly afterward, I was at a church on a Sunday. And near the end of service, we all went down to the front just as we do at LifePoint on quite a few occasions. I was standing near the front pew in the center aisle right there on Jared's pew. And my friend of many years, Kerry Goss, was standing beside me. I recognized his face but had no idea what his name was, and I was definitely having a seizure. And somehow I found my way to Phyllis, and it was an easy decision for us as to what we needed to do. 
We knew that the church needed to pray, and maybe God would touch me. At that moment, and I have to confess, I was pretty deep into a, a seizure at that time. I don't really know what my prayer sounded like. Um, I can't tell you that I really had a lot of faith. I don't know. I mean, we, I've been having these for quite a long time. We prayed about it. I went to see uh, the neurologist. He didn't give me much hope. I, I guess about all we had was a maybe. I mean, we're in church. I'm having this seizure. Why not? Why not get prayed for? So I went directly to the front. Phyllis went with me, and we asked the preacher to pray for me. At that time, I, I'm not even sure I was able to pray, but um, we were up there. But Unfortunately, I did not feel a single thing. I did not feel any change mentally. I did not feel any change physically. We did not hear any voices. We did not see any flashes of light. There is no evidence that night that God even heard our prayer. But I stand here tonight to tell you, Phyllis is my witness. It's been 25 years ago. I haven't seen, I haven't had another seizure since that time. I practiced law at a pretty high level for 25 years since that time. I never had another seizure. So you can call that whatever you want. My family and I, we know what's in Dr. Zuckerman's file. We know that God worked a miracle for us, and he healed me of that condition when I was prayed, prayed for in that church. But some miracles of healing, and I'm just telling you some things I've seen. I don't profess to know everything about miracles. Pastor's doing a great job here. But I just wanted to tell you some things I've seen. If somebody in the house can use some of this tonight, if one of you can benefit from this, it, it will be worth it. Some miracles of healing come instantly. You saw such a miracle on the video the other day. Other times God touches a person and the healing process begins at that time and maybe later on they just get they just continue to, to recover from their illness soon and they are well, and it's very obvious that they have been touched. But I'm just suggesting to you tonight, if you've prayed for a miracle and you've not seen it come to pass yet, sometimes it was like a month or two between my seizures before I would have another one. So, frankly, nothing happened when I got prayed for. So we left there. We're going about life. Uh, and only a little while later on, we realized I haven't had any seizures lately. And 25 years later, I still haven't had any. So I'm just telling you, some of you, your, your situations that you're dealing with are very obvious, and you're going to know when God starts to move. But I'm just telling you, God works way behind the scenes. And I'm suggesting to you tonight, if you have prayed, if you have that situation, if you have claimed your miracle and you've not received the deliverance that you need yet, I'm just asking you, believe, shout, praise God. Pastor, in, in both of his sermons that he's preached, uh, when he's talking about how we approach this, he said, praise God. I like night worship. It, it's not right just to praise God just when you get the answer. Night worship is when <coughs> you shout <coughs> and you praise God when you're in the middle of the storm. Praise God like you're going to do when you get your miracle. So if you have been prayed for, if you have not got your miracle yet, um, I'm just telling you, hang in there, keep praying, keep believing, and you probably are going to see that miracle come to pass. I'm trying to hasten tonight. I have just a couple other things um, I want to tell you about. Eleven years ago, July 2008, 
I was thinking about making a career change. I was ready for the next chapter in my legal career, and it was on a Wednesday night, much like we are doing tonight. Phyllis and I went to Wednesday night church uh, on our way home. I told Phyllis we were driving on George O'Neill Lane, a little twisty road right over by O'Neill Lane. My wife was driving. I was a passenger. I remember this like it was yesterday. We were going home from Wednesday night church. Didn't hear any prophecies. Didn't see any flashing lights. We went to regular Wednesday night church. We're on our way home. I told my wife, I've been thinking, (coughs) 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 thinking for the last few days about making this change. I'm really ready to do it. So I've decided I'm going to do that. And we had a very short conversation, and she said, I agree with you. I think that's what you need to do. Let's do it. That was Wednesday night. The very next day, I received a call (coughs) out of the blue (coughs) from an attorney friend of mine who I had not heard from in over one year. We had previously practiced together. This guy just called me up. He said, oh, by the way, Anthony, um, there's a guy from Chicago that was in town this week, and he wants, he's here for his company, and he wants to open a law office in Baton Rouge. And uh, he actually contacted my friend, and my friend said he wasn't interested in it. And so this guy from Chicago, he had been in town Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for interviews, and he was finishing up. Um, So my friend said he wasn't interested, told me about it, told me to call him. So I called the guy on Thursday morning. Very next day after my wife and I agreed on that, and we prayed about that. And so he was in the interviews all day Thursday. He called me back like 5 o'clock in the afternoon when he finished up his interviews. He said, hey, we had a little chat. I said, I'm interested in talking to you. He said, well, that's great, but I've been here. I'm finished up with all my interviews and flying out early tomorrow morning, going back to Chicago. I said, but he said, well, you know, we talked a little bit. He said, well, you know, maybe we can meet very early tomorrow morning. I said, good, I'm a morning person. Let's do it. He said, I'm a morning person, too. I'm flying out early. I'm going to New Orleans to go back to Chicago. So we met over at uh, the hotel on right on the interstate at 6 o'clock on a Friday morning. So the short of that story is he hired me. He wanted to open a law office in Baton Rouge. He hired me. We started the office over five years. We grew from three employees to 13. We were handling almost 1,000 cases. I'm just telling you. It was just a Wednesday night. It was just, we were just on our way home. We were just thinking about what God said in that verse over there. Isaiah prophesied and he said, God had plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I'm just telling you, God knows you're here tonight. He knows when you're thinking about him, when you're talking about him, when you're trusting him, when you're stretching while you're on your way home. A few weeks before Easter, and I'm I'm really closing now. I tell you what, just to make sure I'm, I'm closing. Why don't we? Um, why don't we? Why don't you stand and let's all come down around the front. Just trying to keep it real. We I, I, there are so many miracles of healing in the Bible. I would. I, I'm I'm just totally. Uh, amazed at all of them. I would like to tell you about all of them, but I just think it might be beneficial for you to hear about something right here, right now. I'm just trying to build your faith. A few weeks ago, um, actually just a little before Easter 2019, I was suffering from a condition in my right side. 
for several months and then having severe pain. It started out, I would just have it sporadically. It might hurt for a day and it go away. I might have it next week. Uh, it continued until it was constant and I had soreness all the time. It got to the point just when I would stretch or move in any way, my side would, would hurt me. And so I got pretty concerned about it. Went to see my doctor. He told me, you know, I was trying to diagnose myself and tell him what I had. And he said, it might be your liver. It might be your gallbladder. A few other things. I don't know really what it is, but it sounds like it's a serious matter. I don't think we need to take it lightly. He said, you're going to wind up with an emergency situation. You're going to be calling in the middle of the night, and we're going to be in a surgery in the middle of the night. So he requested that I undergo a CT scan. So left his office over at the Baton Rouge Clinic and went right down to schedule my CT scan. And due to it being the Easter week, I had to schedule it the Tuesday after Easter. So during the Easter week, I was doing a seven-day devotion with a focus on Easter. The devotion basically focused on Christ's resurrection from the grave, which allows us to have victory in all areas of our life. We were just talking about this resurrection. Just so happens I came in uh, right before service and I told them what I was speaking about and I asked them about a song and they said my last song is about the resurrection and the power. So as I was working through my devotion that week, it was talking about we have victory over this area of our life because of the resurrection. We have victory over another area. We have victory over fear. We have victory over our vocation. We have victory over our family. And then on day five, the devotion focused on victory over sickness. So that morning, I listened to my devotion, and then I went for my walk. I always pray while I walk. So that morning, I was walking through the neighborhood, and frankly, I was suffering right here in my side. And then as I walked along, as I was praying, uh, it just like really occurred to me, wow, you've been listening to this devotion. Jesus died. He took those stripes. He took the beating. He went through all that. And you're supposed to have victory over all these things, including healing. And you're walking around with really, really bad condition going on in your side. And you're trusting Dr. Say and the CT scan to take care of it. So I just laid my hand. Southern Hills Avenue. The week before Easter, I was just walking along. I just laid my hand right here on my side. Just said, in Jesus' name, if you died on the cross, if you took those stripes for me, I'm sick. I got a need right here. In Jesus' name, heal me. I rebuke you, devil. Get away from here. Get away from my side. Don't come in my house. Don't bother me. If Jesus died, if I have access to this, I want it. In Jesus' name, I'm just here to tell you, I don't have any more pain in my side. I canceled my CT scan. I haven't been back to see Dr. Say. I don't have any plans to go back to him. My wife said, well, you ought to at least go ahead and and go ahead and let him do the scan and just show. I don't need the scan. I trust God. So, again, I'm so sorry. Uh, th this is not about me. I just want you to know, this is not hard. I I'm not claiming that, that I got all this figured out. I'm just saying. You know, it it's like those guys, they had some options. And if you don't, if pastor is preaching about the stretch. And he said, God told the man, and Jesus was walking through, and he told the man, stretch out your hand. The man stretched out his hand. It was healed. If you don't feel like stretching yet, your problem is just not bad enough yet. Just keep living. Maybe next week you'll be ready to stretch. 
And maybe the week after that, you'll be ready to stretch. But I just encourage you, there's no use to wait until it gets that serious. You have the opportunity to stretch tonight. And just as we read that scripture where Isaiah said, by his stripes, you are healed. As Pastor noted this past week, Peter updated that in the New Testament. That was Isaiah was prophesying in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Peter updated that, and he said in 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes, you were healed. As I was walking along that morning and praying for myself, I had just listened to that devotion, and I said, God, you died on the cross. You paid the price already. This is not like I even need to do anything. All I got to do is believe. I don't have to work. I don't have to accomplish anything. You paid for it already. You died. You took the stripes, and you said the reason you took the stripes is so I could be healed. All I have to do is just believe. And you don't have to fully believe 100%, as Pastor said. You just got to think maybe. So I'm sorry to, to keep you a little while tonight. Um, I just believe that <coughs> 2019 is about freedom. And it's about freedom from addiction, illness, family problems, financial situations, so many things that come into our lives. And if we're not careful, we will just learn to kind of tolerate them and let them stay there, and we'll just kind of work around them. We won't get very zealous about them. I'm just telling you tonight, you don't have to do that. That's why Pastor is devoting four weeks to miracles. If they had miracles in the Bible, if they had miracles in 1990s, in 2008, in 2019, in April, I believe they have miracles July 31st. I believe they have miracles August 2019. So thank you for your patience tonight. Uh, I'm going to ask the team to, to begin to sing. And I just encourage you, whatever your situation is, uh, and, and everybody's situation is personal. Some of you, your family is just out there. It's just situations that can't be solved, but it can. Your finances, you may think it's just so bad, it just can't be fixed, but it can. I'm just telling you, God is powerful. This is real what we're talking about. If the miracles happen then, they can happen this week. And I believe we're going to hear some testimonies about what's going to happen. So I just ask you to focus on what your situation is right now. Turn it over to God. Apply the faith. Tell him you're ready to stretch. Tell him you believe. If he moved for those people, the scripture says that God is no respecter of persons. That means if he healed those people in the Bible, if he healed Anthony, then it means he's got to heal you. And it said he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That means if he healed them back then and if he's going to do something some other time, he's got to heal today. I just ask you to give your situation to God. If there's somebody that wants to, to come forward, we would all be happy to join with you, believe, and let you go for the stretch. We're going to stretch with you, and I believe God's going to work some miracles in this place tonight. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you were blessed. For more information on our church, Pastor Donovan, or service times, please visit our website at golifepoint.com.